welcome everybody to the Q2Q podcast. If you don't know us by now, my name is Becca. My name is Ben. And we are joined, surprisingly, once again by the lovely Shay Willard because we invited him back after we said we were talking about Soul. Welcome, Shay. Hello, hello. Thank you for having me here. I'm a big fan of this movie, a big fan of Pixar, and my first MFA was in film, so we're going to break this thing down. There he goes. My first MFA, he Yeah, says. no flex right there. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not worth it. Don't, don't ever get a college degree. It's not worth it. Okay, Shay. <laughs> I is sadly in corner with BA. <laughs> me with grad school interviews next week. Whatever. Ooh, fun. <laughs> um, anyway, we are here to talk about Soul, Soul. the movie Soul. Um, yeah, I was really excited. I was really hyped for this movie. And then it, it, it hit every expectation I had, but then also confused the ever-living hell out of me on what I thought the movie was about. So mm. I'm very excited to, to deep dive in that. But most importantly, before we get into this, everybody, how was your week? Shay, we'll start with you. Oh, man. Uh, it was good. It's, uh, I was back at work for all of the days now that the holidays are over. But, you know, I got to work from home a few days, which is great. Um, but with the ongoing pandemic, we don't really do much of anything else outside of work. So work and playing board games and recording podcasts and um, watching Soul. Yeah, that was my week. Excellent. Amazing, Excellent. Ben. Um, my week was just really a lot of working. I had yesterday off, but I've worked every other day and work tomorrow. Um, yeah, it hasn't been too exciting. <laughs> but yeah. I guess I can't complain. That's good. How about you? Um, my week was good. I started taking uh aerial classes oh nice aerial silks silks i know ben you've done that before yeah oh yeah um but i started my our our good friend ben tony shout out to comma fitness um in manchester she owns the the studio so she had a monthly special and it was unlimited little thing for newcomers and so i decided to literally test flight the studio and I've been going to Ariel Silks classes and Lyra and Trapeze classes and I'm having a freaking blast. It's great. Excellent. Yeah. I should um, really get back into that. It might get me back into shape. <laughs> yeah, it's I mean, you've done it before, so you know how fun it is, but it's yep. challenging and also surprisingly easy to look impressive. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> so um I, I'm in, I'm going to enjoy the, the journey I'm going on. I'm going to hopefully stick with at least Lyra and Trapeze for the, the whole year, hopefully. Awesome. We'll see, we'll see where that goes. So let's talk about what we're drinking. Ben, you were slightly late because you were making a drink. What'd you make? Yeah, I'm back to my good old faithful Baileys and hot chocolate. So I was boiling water. Hell yeah. Shay, what you got? I've got some Smittix Red Ale. Mm. Yeah. Imagine pronouncing it incorrectly. Could never. Um, speaking of incorrectly pronouncing things, I have a founder's <laughs> rubeus, rubeus, rubos, as you said. I don't know what it is. Rubeus. I drank this a few few weeks ago. <laughs> like I said, it's this nice little raspberry ale. Pretty, nice. pretty sweet, pretty tart, pretty nice. Um, so this week is going to 
function a little bit differently. Um, we're recording this on Friday to go out on Tuesday, and we recorded last week Sunday to go out Tuesday. So there's not much, there has not been much happening this week in the world of news, as well as we anticipate this episode being a pretty hefty episode. So we're going to skip right over the news this week. We'll get back into it hopefully next week. Um, but we're just going to jump right into talking about soul and we'll, we'll take a break a little bit further down the line in this episode. Um, and I think that the, my opinion of what I got out of it in like one phrase was like the phrase, what constitutes a life well lived of like, first let's, let's talk about like our first reactions to this movie. Ben, what did you think of soul? I loved it. I mean, it definitely had me thinking a lot. I definitely went into the movie like prepared to ball my eyes out like an onward. Um, and I got like most of the way through the movie was thinking, oh, this is surprisingly emotionally light. And then suddenly, bam, just emotional wall hits you. And it was just all downhill from there. Um, oh, before we get into this, uh, like we said last week and a couple weeks ago, spoiler alert, if you have not watched Soul, there will be spoilers in today's episode. If yeah. you haven't watched it, go watch it now and come back to us. Yeah. Anyway, you were saying, what That's moment so, um, per- in particular? God, it was, um, I think specifically when he was seeing all the stuff flash, like basically he was watching his life flash before his eyes and realizing everything and i don't know it's just i'm, I'm trying to remember the, the specific moment but you know it's kind of hard to remember exactly <laughs> it says processing so yeah. many emotions <laughs> but I'm, I'm, it, was, it was around there shay what about you what was your first reaction um i was absolutely blown away by the movie i was surprised which is really really good because i'm not often surprised by movies nowadays um I went into the movie thinking that it was going to do for jazz and for music what Ratatouille had done for food. Mm. In that, you know, I, I thought it was going to use music and specifically jazz as as a way to tell a bigger and broader story, but it it didn't. It because jazz and music was was there, but the story was not about jazz. The story was about purpose. Um, and or, or passion um and in this and i kind of figured that it was going to sort of make the other world the focus of the film sort of like inside out but again it did a very good job of splitting the two uh, the two areas very well so you you didn't end up spending too much time in any one area which was great yeah, I think it was a movie that was like, like uh, I was watching uh, one of like a video review about it, and one of the questions was like, kids movie or adult movie? Because Pixar is known for making kids movies that adults can can, can enjoy, and they described it as an a, a movie that was made for adults with the kids that kids could also enjoy. I thought Soul was a very mature movie mm-hmm. and a very, like, very adult. Um, and it was kind of like, I, I would say it's, like, ironic timing 
of when this movie came out too of like I feel like with the pandemic a lot of us have had to be thrown into the well if you like the idea of like if you had to start your career a new career now what would you do and if you Mm -hmm. had to figure out what your actual passion was versus your purpose I think it's becoming clear or it's a question that floats around in my head a lot so it's like this movie didn't I don't think it made me super emotional but it definitely made me sit there and go like huh maybe I need to enjoy things more yeah. than just actively always working towards something. I'm going to tack onto that too. Cause that just made me remember, you know, exactly what made me feel feelings. It was um, not even so much the moment. It was more of the connection I had to it because if you remember, he's going through his childhood and he's realizing all these specific moments in which you just see him like have this feeling of experiencing life and just like, it's like this is great like this is the best thing ever it could just be like a random thing like he's looking up at the clouds riding his bike and he just like takes a deep breath or something like that and that resonated with me because I used to feel that a lot and looking back I don't remember the last time I felt that and I think that's what really hit me yeah you know so it's like it's pandemic stuff but it's just kind of adulthood in general you just kind of lose track of it Yeah, I was, like, even while you were just saying that, I was trying to think of, like, when was the last moment that I, like, before, like I said, this, like, 2021 is the year that I'm, like, trying new hobbies and things like Mm -hmm. that, but before that, I was, like, trying to think back of, like, when was the last time I felt, like, genuinely excited or or happy or enjoying myself, and it's it's hard to think back for the last few months. Right. so I think you're right, Ben, of like this movie makes you think of like, like it's the idea of like stop and smell the roses mm-hmm. of like enjoy the little things because they, they go, life goes quick. You never know, you know? Yeah. And like that was always my favorite thing is looking specifically looking at the clouds and feeling the warm sun, you know, and like on a summer day and just seeing that it just, yeah, it just made me think a lot. Yeah. Then I remember uh, you and I out in the sun, out behind Hack Attack, mm-hmm. clouds. Like that's the kind of we have to spend so much time indoors. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. was tell you the truth, say that was probably the last time I did that. <laughs> Genuinely had that feeling. Yeah, I I think back to like moments where I was like enjoying myself a lot. Like even even when we went to Santa's Village, it was like we were there for a reason. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, we all had a really good day, but we were there to do that, that tour, you know, yeah. I like, and like, I think about the, the genuine joy moments of, of this year. And the first, like, the only thing that I can think of that, like, before, like that, and it was like cr- encroaching right before the pandemic was like the night we went out to karaoke, Ben. <laughs> yeah. How, how we were just like, like, I was just sitting there because I didn't want to sing that night, but I was just like watching you and Dalton scream singing. <laughs> <laughs> and enjoying every moment of it like you know what I mean I don't know it is those yeah. moments that I feel like we especially during the pandemic have been missing and it's funny because Soul's been in production for how many years they mm. couldn't have predicted oh, a pandemic <sighs> it's crazy right so That's where would you guys exciting. put this on 
your Pixar list. So there's there's 23 Pixar movies that are out now. And I don't even know if I know exactly where I'd put it, but if you had to ballpark where you put it on your one out of 23, where would you, where would you rank it? I would probably put it in top five. Really? To be honest, yeah. Uh, because I really enjoy the Pixar movies, but you know, the ones, I like the ones that I feel like I can actually have a connection to like soul and onward and, but yeah, anyway, sorry, I cut you off, Shay. Oh, no, it's fine. I, I was going to talk about myself, but I, I am interested. Did you guys do an episode on, on Onward? Yes, we did. Second time you mentioned it, Dan, and that's, uh, I'm, I do want to know why you love that so much. Maybe it's not for this time. I really like Onward as well, but um, but uh, well, for, for me, it's, it's also top five. I think it's either two or three. Um, I... So I, I watched it the day that it came out, and then for this podcast, I watched it again um, Wednesday night. Um, and when I first saw it, I was like, okay, this is a really good movie. I said, this is their strongest work since WALL-E, and my favorite movie is Ratatouille. My favorite Pixar movie is Ratatouille. And I thought, this may surpass Ratatouille. Watched it again Wednesday, I said, okay, it's not, not as strong um, a narrative structure as Ratatouille, but it's still, it hits... It, it sort of looks at the same stuff as Ratatouille in terms of like using art as an expression and and where your passion sort of, you know, Ratatouille takes it in the other direction where it's like your passion is your career, um, but it still makes that a very interesting hero's journey. Whereas in this one, it's like your passion does not need to be your career. Um, and then it doesn't need to be your, your purpose either. Um, but so I still, I still put it, I think, I think it's probably a, a two or a three. For me, it's 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 battling Wally for that second spot. All right. Yeah, I don't. It's really hard to, to continue ranking Pixar movies because I have I've gotten to a point where like there are so many that like that hit like immediately. These are the ones I'll name. And then you start to taper off and then you know the bottom because Cars 2 sucks. But um, it's hard for me to say because a lot of the reasons why I like Pixar movies is because of its humor. And Soul had a very different approach to that. Like there, like I said, like the kids movie versus an adult movie is like a lot of the reason I like the like my all-time favorite is Monsters Inc. And that also could just be that weird connection that I have with it of like the the feeling in my brain I get when I watch the movie. Mm-hmm. But I think I could I here's here's the difference between Soul and a, a lot of the other movies. I've been listening to the soundtrack of Soul. Mm-hmm. And I have there's only one other movie I've ever listened to the soundtrack of actively from a Pixar movie and it's Wally. So I think that's there's something to be said in that. So I think I might if I when re-examining them, because I went on a mission for a little bit to watch all of them to actually formulate it. And maybe that's an episode of this podcast of ranking Pixar movies and talking about the differences and why we want them there. But I think if I dove deep and I looked through all of them, I think Soul would probably end up in the top five but at this moment I, I don't know exactly it would definitely be in the top 10 but I'm not sure 
where within that structure yet. You know what I mean? I, I, I want to know what you what you loved about the soundtrack because, in my opinion, the soundtrack is actually one of the weaker parts of the movie because, at least compared to other Pixar films, because I couldn't tell you what the main melody was. I couldn't hum it for you right now. Um, and I, but I don't know if that's like there are so many ways that you can read that, particularly in a movie that's supposed to be about jazz. So what what, what did you love about it? Maybe I just like jazz music or I'm surrounded by jazz music a lot because it took me a long time to appreciate jazz as a, as a music, but um, Mike plays a lot of jazz. So I think it might just be like a weird association thing of like, it's pleasant to me. It's also, it's fun to listen to the soundtrack because in this happens in the movie is it's, it's like a hard line between the jazz and the quick New York City feeling and then transitioning to the bef the before because it's very different feels but like the before music is so relaxing yeah and i know that's the point <laughs> but it's so nice the before music almost reminds me of like meverse or yeah. on mm -hmm. uh, the wii <laughs> yeah kind of yeah yeah i don't know i just really liked it um i know that a lot of people especially musicians have had is found issues with the soundtrack and they say that that's actually the weakest part of the movie which is wild but i don't know i liked the soundtrack a lot because i guess i just like upbeat jazz which is what most of it was i don't know feel good time um i want to talk about some standout moments that that you guys had but i want to first pose the question why why a manhole cover do you think i don't know it's it's interesting because he's dodging all these obstacles and he's going through all this this whole thing but like why is it that gets it other than the visual because the visual is pretty simple of just like mm -hmm. falling done it might just be foreshadowing the the earth portal and mm. jumping into that hole but they also made, just needed something that, you know, once he actually realized that there was danger, then he, <laughs> then he fell in. And, and not, not just that, I'm going to build on that, Ben, which is um, the earth portal, it's a portal downwards. You jump and you fall to earth. But then remember the direction from the conveyor belt to the great beyond, he doesn't jump off of that and float up or float over. He jumps off of that and falls down. Mm -hmm. So this is the beginning of his journey and the journey always travels in the same direction, which, oh, this is really interesting. One of my biggest issues with Inside Out, because Inside Out, Soul, and um, Up are all Pete Doctor films. So one of my biggest issues with Inside Out is that it was the same movie as Up, but backwards, um, because Pete Doctor loves to play with his screen directions as a way of orchestrating narrative progression. So in Up, you are always got your characters moving from the left side of the screen to the right with a giant void um, off on the right side. And think about it, inside out, you've got your characters moving from the left side of the screen to the right with a giant void on the left side of them on their journey. Soul does the same thing, except he's traveling down now and his, the void's kind of out around him. It's not, it's not as hard on as the other two are, but still, his journey is always going in the same direction. That's top to down. I never noticed that or knew that. 
at all. Yeah, that's yeah. And then crazy. when oh man, I guess when when Terry catches him, he does float forward. But then I can't remember where he goes if he falls down from there back into the before or if Terry just kind of takes him. But you're talking about when um oh from the subway station. Yeah. Um, Terry pulls him up. Terry pulls him up. Yep. Interesting. Well, because that's toward the great beyond, I assume. Yeah, this is a good point. But then when Terry when Terry grabs Paul, he makes him fall. Um. That's true. So, yeah. So that's like the things that are good for Joe Gardner are things that move from the top of the screen to the bottom. And the things that are bad for Joe Gardner, i.e. Terry catching him, um, to go other directions. I'm sure there's more in there to look at, but that's very that's a fascinating observation to make. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. So what were some of your standout moments, either of you, that you were like, that's fucking wild to think about let's take a break while we <laughs> i mean i can i can just jump right in and say yeah let's, let's that hear what you have i had uh, the lost souls was definitely a thing that like I, yeah hit me like a truck and it was the idea like that idea of like you can be so like you can be in the zone and you're being successful and you're having a good time and you are, it is part of, it is a passion of yours to be in, like focused on this thing that you love so much, but it can also be like your, your like, like Icarus to the sun moment of like, if you get so far into this, then you will lose yourself and what you loved about it. And that like specifically hit, really hard with me with like theater <laughs> and that passion of mine because I, yeah. I feel like if, if you aren't involved in theater you may not know how demanding the career path can be of especially uh, if you're involved in multiple productions at one time you're in rehearsal all day then you leave rehearsal you eat food for a second and then you go and perform a show and it's like those days are like 12 hour days. And, and it kind of over the past couple of years, I've been stepping back and thinking like, is this worth it? And like, I, it, made, it makes me have to say like, I need to say no when things are going to be that busy. And I, I realize that like the lost soul mechanism is very similar to like, again, not enjoying something you get so head first into a thing that it makes you upset and you can't enjoy what you love. Yeah. I don't know. It like made me not depressed, but sad. <laughs> Anything from you guys? Um, for me, it was the moment that he finally speaks his mind to his mother. Um, yeah. Yeah, because I, I relate a lot to Joe Gardner in terms of I had a very similar career path to him, which is I, t I wanted to have a creative career. And so I decided to pursue film and television instead of pursuing theater because theater was hard and unlikely to produce a comfortable life. Understood. And yeah, 
And, and as a result of that, I spent most of my 20s not particularly happy. Um, and uh, and uh, my, my, my mother and I are, are on great terms and I would never, I would never say that she, my mother had the same level of impact um, on me as Joe Gardner's did. But, um, you know, my, my, my mother always had to remind me my whole career, still now, even in my 30s, sometimes I have to be reminded or she reminds me of, of you know, there's, there's other options, there are ways to make more money. And, and that's, that's not, not even her, my father as well does the same thing. It's really his whole side of the family is very practical people. Um, and so his moment when he was able to finally just tell mom, like, this is what I want to do. It's, it's what's right for me. And your support is what got me here. And your, your and dad's love for this is what got me here. So all I'm asking is you just believe a little more in me. And then, then, man, she turns around and says, great, we're going to make your father's suit fit you. That hit me really hard. It was like, your father may have not succeeded in the way that you want to, but maybe if you carry a little bit of him with you, you'll be able to succeed for the both of you, mm-hmm. which I thought was very poetic. Oh yeah, that moment of just dad. It's the dad thing, which yeah, it's favorite. we talked we talked about it with, I mean, like that's a, a Pete Doctor trope of the father figure. Does he have dad issues? Um, <laughs> <laughs> Pete Doctor has daddy issues, pass it on. Okay. Um, but like even in Onward, it was that whole like, I, it's that relationship with the dad of like want, right. wanting that relationship. There was, I mean, Joe's what, 46. So like presumably his father passed away when he was at least probably an adult. They don't mention when he did, but um, they also don't make it a tragic part of his backstory. <laughs> so no. you, it's pretty easy to assume. And they kind of do ben? mention it though um, during the flashback sequence. Because you see him like playing the piano with his elderly dad, and then the next scene is like him and his mom just like feet in the ocean by. And I, I kind of assume it's inferred that like that's when he passed, and he was already yeah. adult by that point. So right, so like, and and it didn't seem like they had a unhealthy relationship either. It was like his right. dad wanted him to be interested in the things that he was interested in, which is a weird not weird concept but it's just like an uncommon situation i think for a lot of people i don't know i think yeah that moment was to me i think that was one of the most powerful moments Mm -hmm. was Mm. the telling him off because it was just or telling her off rather because it's just this moment of of people who have that kind of relationship with their parents. Like, my parents are fairly supportive of my career path, but I remember when I told my parents I wasn't going to be an acting major and I was going to major in tech and arts admin, they were like, thank God. <laughs> and even then, here we are, mid-pandemic, me not doing that. Well, who'd have thunk? Who'd have thunk? You're right, Ben. Um, I want to talk about Dez's outlook on life versus Joe's outlook on life. 
Do you think that Joe was already a lost soul? I mean, I don't think he was literally a lost soul because he was, he is, well, I don't know. Because yeah, what, what happens to the lost souls when their bodies die? Huh? Well, no, 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 no. Because remember at the very beginning of the film, when he's in his um, classroom and he's doing that music bit for his students, he goes into the zone. He's mm -hmm. Oh, that's right. Yeah. 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 Yeah, he has the passion, but he's not like pursued to the point of obsession, you know. Mm -hmm. I think that's kind of the the dividing factor there. But I just think that Joe not even had like a lot to learn about life. He just had a lot to like be reminded of. And he just he he hadn't seen like an outside perspective in a very long time. Because he may not have been a lost soul, but he probably was close. Yeah, and the, the barbershop scene made me, like, it made me think about it after the fact. Like, so, like, when I watched it the second time, I paid a little bit more attention to the conversations and things. And it seemed like, because it's the whole, well, you never asked about my life. You only ever talked about jazz, which was his life. And it made me think about the kind of person Joe was and like if I knew Joe in real life how would I look at him because I've got, been going to the same hair salon for years I know tons about my my hairdresser like when we have conversations we talk about both of our lives she'll ask about my life I'll tell her about whatever new stupid project I've got going on she'll tell me about her whatever crazy boyfriend she's got at the time like all that stuff so it's like if Joe never knew about Dez's passions and Dez's life outside of work what kind of a person is Joe you know and like people are extroverted People are introverted. People don't like to talk about themselves, whatever, whatever. So it's not like a harsh judgment on Joe, but it's like he assumed you should talk about this thing because they've talked about this thing before. Yeah. He never thought to talk about anything else. I think it's, I think it's also a, a way of the movie showing that maybe Joe's, um, maybe, maybe Joe's passion is not it sounds like he's pushing his passion onto other people um and he just assumes that all adults at least like jazz um and i and i think that's maybe like partially the teacher in him because it's, it's, it's interesting you you see you definitely see his success stories right you see curly and you see uh connie is that her name connie, connie. yeah connie yeah the trombone player um and they're both jazz people and I may, maybe that's like oh oh maybe okay maybe joe equates jazz with success right we're jazzing and so he sees des as a successful man and whatever metric we are using to define success he sees des so of course des is going to want to talk about jazz yeah yeah that, that makes sense and i mean even 
from having a background in performing and music and things, there are two what I like to call pretentious music styles and there's classical and there's jazz. There are, they're, they're the two that like, they're the very practiced styles of music. So it, it could just be association with the art. Yeah. And prestige. Yep. And the other, the other hand, though, I do kind of know where he's coming from because, yeah, I've swapped barbers a few times, and every now and then, like, okay, I knew this this much about this barber, now I got to go to a new one. And my current barber, every time I go there, we end up talking about Dungeons and Dragons, and it's basically <laughs> what the whole conversation is about. Now, I've talked to him briefly about his family, um, but it never really like comes up in conversation, and it just always goes to, so this is what my campaign's doing now. <laughs> so I, I understand like getting into that that rhythm but I don't know it, it's definitely hard and if he never really thought beyond that initial conversation where he's just kind of like feeling out to see like what are you into oh well I do jazz oh you like jazz okay let's talk about jazz you and like talk jazz? about jazz you like jazz yeah so they talk about jazz the first time how many times can I say jazz um and then that's just kind of becomes the pattern because you know it was comfortable the first time so the next time Joe comes in he goes so I'm doing this gig now and as goes true cool, tell me about it and, you know it's yeah I guess that happens with theater too is like what yeah. show are you doing now what's mm-hmm. your next project whatever anyway um, yeah. Looks like we're going to run time in this meeting, so let's take a break for an ad, and we'll uh, we'll be right back. Hey everyone, I just wanted to tell you about our new partnership with Scribble Script Studio. Scribble Script is an independently owned small business specializing in custom lettering designs. The artist behind it, Emma, is located in the Orlando area, and frequently she can be found visiting the parks for inspiration. Some of my favorite stickers are her Happily Ever After Dumbo sticker and her Tower of Terror suitcase. So check her out on Instagram. Make sure you let her know that Q2Q sent you, and if you're looking for some fun stickers to put on your laptop or your favorite water bottle, make sure you check out her Etsy shop at Scribble Script Studio and use the code Q spelled just like the podcast at checkout for 15% off your order today. That's code Q Q U E U E spelled just like the podcast for 15% off your order at Scribble Script Studios. So yeah, so it was interesting to me to 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 have the character of Des because he is he's an example of the success that the movie really infer or, or he's, he's an example of, of a a winner in the game that the movie infers we should be playing that's the best way that i can put it um but it also really makes me question as someone who's been doggedly pursuing what he thinks would be i don't even know if it's a purpose but it's definitely something i want to do like you know is this what i need to be worried about in life I'll, I'll admit it, when, I, when Abigail and I started dating, my, my quality of life went way up. My job didn't change, but something else did. So I think I'm falling into that trap, too, of, of thinking that my day-to-day job is my purpose in life and is what should make me happy. But it's possible to have a job that is, you know, not what you want to be doing, but still be a very happy person, which was not really an option I'd considered. Yeah, no, I relate in the fact that like I'll talk to my parents about like well right now I don't have work and like they're like well work is work it's 
called work for a reason and nobody really wants to work it's just what you have to do and I'm like okay but I can't it's it was one of those things of like like you joked at the beginning of this episode Shay of like don't major don't go to college it's dumb there's no reason for it and like it makes me think about that of like why did I spend three years of my life pursuing a theater degree when work is work and I might have to do something else for indefinitely at any given given time and it like retrospectively makes me look back and it's like well I could have gone to something more safer and just done theater on the side and still had a like genuinely happy life but it's like I look at it and I'm like nope I don't think I can fully like I feel like and that's the other thing of like I don't feel like I could be happy doing anything else and it's like but that's the point of this movie of like you don't know what will make you happy until it's sitting like it's like slapping you in the face I think so I think it's it's a slow down kind of movie of of think about things and how can you make like you said Shay of like one thing changed and your quality of life shifted of like how do you make tiny adjustments or major adjustments here and there to improve the quality of your life not sure but I want to kind of change tune here um, and ask the question, why do you think, before we get to the great beyond, is there a conveyor belt process? Why don't we just jump right to the great beyond, other than the fact that it's a plot device and there's a, a quote, a way out. But like, mm-hmm. if we're thinking about this in a, in a real life situation, existentially, like that is the way, that is how life works. When you die, you go to take this little conveyor belt to the great beyond. Why would there be a conveyor belt? What do you guys think? I think it is more alluding to like the light at the end of the tunnel. Almost. Oh, absolutely. Um, it could be that also, you know, um, Terry just needs some time to count. Takes a while. <laughs> <laughs> I think that, I think it's actually uh, purposefully, I, I think that is the practical side of it is that Terry, that's his job is to be an accountant. And then also they never really mention when the mentors are pulled from the stream of souls, but there needs to be a spot for that to happen. So you can't just go right to the great beyond. I also am curious. And then, cause they, cause then in the movie, they show that like Joe was a perfectly good mentor who helped 22 get their spark. Right. Um, but I also like thought about like, what makes you qualified to be a mentor? And it felt like a little, not condescending, but like kind of like elitist of being mentors. So I was like, Oh, so only famous people and doctors can be mentors. Like, why was her mentor going to be a child psychologist? <laughs> well, I mean, I think it was specifically for her since she'd been there for eons. Yeah. They're just trying to do any kind of new approach that could, uh, their thinking is, oh, a psychologist can get inside this person's head, probably help them find what they're all going to do. Um, but they kept doing the same approach over and over and over again, which is why it didn't right. work. So they kept picking the famous people the and the doctors and the psychiatrists and I don't know. What do you think, Shay? How do you think the process of mentorship works? 
I, I don't know because it's, I mean, I think it is just, a, sorry, I'm, I'm getting hung up on a, a different question in my head. Yeah, I think it, I think it is just, you lived a great life. Obviously you deserve something awesome. So I don't know if it's a reward or if we just need your help, but that's, that's the question that I'm asking, which is they don't bring in enough mentors to mentor all the souls because it seemed to be established that a mentor had one soul. Right. So then are there a bunch of souls that don't get mentored? So like, are they given the problem children? Yeah, I think so. I mean, because you witness a lot of the souls getting the spark on their own. So they probably are just bringing mentors in for essentially the problem children. You're absolutely right. It's it's fun to think about like, One, if you were a problem child and then would deserve a mentor, but like, who would your mentor be? And I get, again, that's like a completely separate conversation that we can have in a different time, but because that will bring us into a stupid tangent and we need more time to think about it. But like, who would your mentor be? It's cool to think about. Because the other thing is in my life experience, now I hear a lot of people that also go to school and they'll be like, oh, my mentor in college or my mentor and whatever. And like, that's not a thing that I really had. Like I had an advisor, but he was my advisor because he was every tech and design student's advisor. And like, I go to him for academic things that have to do with like applying to grad school. I needed to contact him and talk to him and remind him of all the great things I did while I was at school. But but like, I find what I would describe as mentors in my life are accidental to me. I didn't seek mm-hmm. out the the friendship or the inspiration from this person. It's just that there are people in my life that have come into my life and I watch them grow and then are inspired to grow or do similar things and see their experiences and take their life experiences and use that as advice for myself. Does that make sense? So I'm intrigued mm-hmm. at how that whole thing would go down for the great before. Is it like, I mean, of course they don't have personalities. I fall like f- mentorship in, in what I'd call real life um, is finding people with similar career paths or, or interests of yours and seeing how they get there and talking to them and getting advice. But like, I don't know. It's interesting that they're assigned based on almost nothing. <laughs> Other than the child psychologist. I don't know. Did you have anything else to add, Shay? Because you said you were getting caught up on a different question. Or was that? My, my question was that who, who needs a mentor? Got it. I think Ben would have definitely needed a mentor. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I needed some coaxing. I don't know. Me as a child, me now and as a child, being a very grumpy and hot-headed kid, I probably also needed a mentor to get oh, me out of too? there. Great. <laughs> I my temper very quick. Oh, um, people don't. Oh, people who know me professionally don't believe me when I say that I have a temper. But it's just because it's like That's a switch. Funny. It's like, oh, I'm home now. I'm gonna be grumpy. Anyway, <laughs> um, let's Uh-oh. get into more fun <laughs> things. We're fine. Everything's fine. Let's get into more fun things. Let's get out of the life existential conversations. We'll come back to them later. Um, 
And let's talk about Easter eggs and like references and stuff. Like what kind, like where have you seen any of them on your own? Cause this is the thing about this movie that I found is the second. So I watched it the first time to like watch the movie, to experience the movie. And just like, as if I didn't have this podcast, and I just wanted to watch it, watch the movie, enjoyed it. The second pass, my intent was to watch it for the Easter eggs to find little references and little pokes and like nuances. And I found myself not like I'd get distracted and then I wouldn't see them. So, which is again, a testament to why I think this movie was great of like, I got distracted and I wasn't looking at those things. Right. But I want to know if you guys caught any on your own. Cause I really didn't. <laughs> yeah, I didn't either. I spent the whole time looking for, a113 and the pizza pizza planet truck those are the only ones that i really look out for i didn't see them on my own i went and watched right. a you know easter egg video later man twice. they hit a113 it's there twice um mm-hmm. it's twice oh okay i want to know where the other one is um and then I, I apparently was not aware of the pizza rat theme i, the I had no idea that was a thing because when the rat went by a pizza i was like that's a weird Ratatouille <laughs> reference, but okay. I mean, like, you could argue that it is a Ratatouille reference, but yes, it is. A, it was an allusion to Pizza Rat. Um, the, the meme of the rat in the New York City subway with, the pe- like, a full piece of pizza. Yep, that's yep. right. Ben, did you catch any on your own? I didn't catch a single one. Yeah, okay. And this is the funny thing is, they're in the open. They're not... A lot of them aren't very well hidden. And the key was the Hall of Everything. The Hall of Everything had almost everything in it. So, like, I'm going to, like, like breeze <laughs> through them because it's, again, they're all in the same scene. If you want to look at it, we'll, we'll look at it. Like, you can go just pause when they first get into the Hall of Everything. And a lot of them are in plain sight. So you got Charles Muntz's blimp, which is off in the corner on the right. You got the axiom, if you stare into the void, there's a tiny little axiom. Um, there's an Aztec temple, which one could argue is just an Aztec temple. Another would argue that it's from Coco or reminiscent of one from Coco. Pizza Planet Truck is in that scene too. It's off in the left-hand side on the bottom. A113 is on a street sign in the Hall of Everything. Um, it's very small, so it's, it's like a blink and you miss it. Um, there's a suspended whale, which could be a nod to the uh, Smithsonian because there's one there, but also there was one at the um, the Marine Life Institute in Finding Dory as well that looks like the exact same whale. Um, Luxo Jr. is also in the Hall of Everything. He's um, behind, he's near the Pizza Planet truck behind the, um, what's it called? An, the archery place which is also a reference mm. to brave um and then we got princess Dreamworld castle from inside out's imagination land again there was a castle that looked like it might not have been but like what i anticipate happening in this, especially the hall of everything is they kind of just like took everything they've previously designed and was like there we don't have to do any work <laughs> um <laughs> And like I said, in one of the, the video of the souls finding its spark after firing an arrow in the mentor training video, there was the, the arrow, the archery range that looked kind of like 
set up in Brave. Um, Golden Gate Bridge was there, which again, like, could be a reference, could also just be the Golden Gate Bridge. The Eiffel Tower is also there, could be a reference, could just be the Eiffel Tower. Um, Willie's Butte, which is the rock that Doc Hudson challenges McQueen on to drive around in cars. Again, could just be a rock, could be the exact same thing. Um, I watched a video and it was like, look at all the world icons that you can see in cars too. And it's like, no, those are just world icons video. They're not, they're not cars Two references. <laughs> Nobody wants to reference cars Two. That's true. Um, there was a chess board, <laughs> which could have been a shout out to Jerry's game, which is my mm-hmm. personally, oh. personal favorite uh, Pixar short. And then there was a canoe, which could have been a reference to 2020's spark short loop, which is, a fantastic video. Um, those are all in the hall yeah. of everything. So, like again, a l- large part of them. What? There's also a Ferris wheel. Oh, which Toy Story Four may have been the Toy Story Four Ferris wheel. Yeah. Oh, right. okay. Um, yeah. yes, but again, like some of these are just things. <laughs> They're not like <laughs> Pixar icons. They're just like things. Um. Then we get into Just a Box, which was a great bit. Yeah, I love that. Um, I loved Just a Box. It was just like, nothing to see, Hera, just a box. Um, And in Just a Box, we had the Pixar ball, if you missed it. Um, It was black and white, which is a large reason why I missed it. Because it's like, I'm looking for the colors of... those things which is i think again why you miss so many easter eggs in the hall of everything because everything was that grayscale yes so it's just like nothing stands out but i think that was ironically the point of the hall of everything of finding your spark because nothing in the hall of everything stands out Mm -hmm. yeah that's very interesting i didn't even think about that until now um, in Just a Box, there was also a pink flamingo that said "Sunny Florida" from Nick Knack. Oh, yeah. Um, and then I just really loved pausing and reading the endless amount of names of Twenty Two's mentors. <laughs> yeah, those were good. Because um, you see, you saw a lot of them that were like just famous people, but then there were also a lot of um, animators and legends in Pixar and Disney, which was freaking cool. Of like. And like some of them were like people who passed this year. So I thought that was special. Um, and then when they were going through the mentors, <laughs> they have Marie Antoinette, who is just a floating head. She doesn't have a body. <laughs> and I think that's funny. She also says, funny. I believe she says that 22 is nobody. Or she will be nobody, which is, she says the phrase, nobody. Which is funny. That is. Um, so I've seen a couple different things about John Ratzenberger. Um, some people say that they believe he is an uncredited voice in when Joe is reminiscing on his life. Um, there's a, a phrase that says, we're looking for something different that does sound like him, but it's uncredited and they're not like, yes, it's a one-liner, but they're not typically one for uncrediting John Ratzenberger. Like, I feel like they would let you know for sure that that was him. 
But there's another theory that he was animated into it during the subway scene. There is a character uh-huh. who looks very much like him. So that's a theory. Uh-huh. Um, another reference that is kind of a stretch, I included it because I thought it was fun. Um, the chemical name behind 22 in the chemistry scene is the chemical makeup for chocolate. And everybody's like, is this a reference to Up? No, it's not. It's just chocolate. Chocolate's yummy. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I liked that it was just chocolate. It's a fun thing to, to talk about. Oh, yeah. Um, and then the when the souls are paired with their mentors, they're pushed through a door that transports them to another location. But portals are all over the place anyway. This is very Monsters Inc. adjacent. The, the company that Riley's dad works for in Inside Out is advertised um, on the subway. Oh, nice. Yes, no, I thought that was really cool of like, the one thing that I'm getting a little bit frustrated at in Pixar movies recently is uh, the lack of by and large in all of yeah, them. Because uh, um, yep. I looked, I combed for by and large and I was hoping when people were like, Easter eggs, I was like, where's by and large? Because <laughs> I miss them. But um, uh, yeah, that was fun that it was like this tech company. We're going to find out in three movies that this tech company is also by and large, but it's fine. Um, but I want to talk about the personality pavilions, which is definitely an Epcot joke. <laughs> it's a hundred percent an Epcot joke because like Pete Doctor has said many a time that he's a huge fan of Epcot specifically of the Imagination Pavilion which is everybody jokes why it hasn't been turned into Inside Out because Pete Doctor won't let it <laughs> 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 not that he has really any say in the parks but like the permission to use Inside Out I guess theoretically goes through Pete Doctor <laughs> Or the conversation would go through him, but I don't know. Um, they're also very reflective of Riley's Islands. Mm. And how, how an aspect of your personality gets assigned to you at birth, which is contradicting of what Inside Out does. Excuse me, because Inside Out shows you that through experience, you gain pieces of your personality to f- like fully form yourself. But in soul, we are led to believe that your personality is formed before you're even on earth. Do you think that, which one do you think? I mean, I think it's a little bit of both. Yeah. But do you think that like babies have a personality before they're functioning like humans? I, I think so. That that was something that I picked up on when I was watching the movie was how um, they, they sort of removed determinism from personality development, which was frustrating to me. But I, I wonder if, because th- there is a certain level of chance that goes into what's going to happen to a baby before they really have any sort of formative memories in terms of like, there might be a random hormone that shoots over here or because you're cold on a Tuesday, suddenly every seven days you're expected, you know, who knows really how it works. But I think that's their way of sort of explaining where you start and 
the, the personality types that you are going to lean towards. Because I, you know, thinking about my life, my personality has changed a lot over the years, but I feel like I always have a baseline that I sort of return to. There's sort of a foundational personality that I stem from and, and have always stemmed from. And it's just sort of where you go from there, at least in my experience, that sort of reflects your growth. And so I think that soul still allows for that post childhood growth. Yeah. Agree with that. It's, it's weird. I always think about it and I talk to my, I talk to Mike's friends a lot about it because I see them most often and we've talked about how they have all these like I call them like war flashbacks of high school of like they'll talk about like oh I was this kind of a person and they all talk joke about like I was sad in high school which a lot of people are high school is hard for a lot of people and they were like I was trying to learn who I was and now I've gotten to here and I I am still trying to figure out who I am but I have a better grip and I and I always joke that I've always been unapologetic about who I am as a person. And I have grown to know where lines are and where boundaries are and things like that. But one, the one piece of me that's never changed is the determination to be the person I am of like never trying to impress people, never trying to manipulate or fit into a little like social thing. So it's, I think what you're saying is true, Shay, of like, these people or people all have this like innate like maybe I mean it showed in in soul that you have what five or six qualities about you from the get-go of where you're probably going to show stronger and that's where you lead into your more specific personalities and interests I think because that's the thing that always like kind of bothered me about inside out was they were like these are her personality and I was like no those are her interests <laughs> like you can like like we all you all know the joke of like liking disney isn't a personality mm-hmm. or like liking this thing it does isn't like being a sports fan isn't a personality it's it, and it's i guess that kind of goes back to like that lost soul thing of like if that's the only thing that makes up your personality is that a full well-bodied person yeah yeah i don't know just a thought that just popped into my head as I kept speaking. Anyway, um, I, I guess this is kind of an Easter egg, but it's not really an Easter egg. Um, the uh, All of the personality pavilions had shapes that were reflective of what the stereotype of that behavior is. So the aloof <laughs> pavilion was shaped like an upturned nose. That's and funny. all of the little, little souls that came out of it were all like, hmm. There's that one joke where it's, I forget which pavilion it was. It was like the self-absorbed or something like that. It's like, why are we sending so many people to this one? Yeah! <laughs> I thought that was really funny. You definitely, I feel like you definitely find a lot of people with the similar personality trait in certain oh, yeah. careers. Shay's bad. That's true. <laughs> so like, I, I just think it's funny because like, like the stereotype of like, I think it, it makes me think about um, high school cliques. Oh, like, yeah. Pieces of your personality is very clear, I think, in high school cliques of like 
theater kids are loud and outgoing. And I joke that like, if you've been in symphonic band, you know the stereotype of every band kid. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see, what else do we have for not Easter eggs, but Easter eggs? Um, Des has a photo of his daughter on this on his counter and she's holding Bunny from Toy Story 4. There was, this was like an Easter egg, but like not involved in Pixar. It was Mystics Without Borders was the, the name of the, the traveling group in the, uh, what's it oh. called, the zone. And yep. which is a reference to Doctors Without Borders, which is a group uh, originating from France that travel to heavy conflict zones to help combat disease, which I think is funny because they go and help lost souls. They're just like, here we are helping people. Uh, like you said, Shay, the startup that Riley's dad is a part of is in the subway. Um, there's a Retlaw truck in the same frame that Joe, uh, when she, Joe falls down the manhole, which is Walter spelled backwards, which is another surname that uh, Disney used to use or like a, an alias that he used to use. Um, the Chinese takeout box that's in most Pixar movies was in, uh, was on the desk of the, uh, I don't know what the ty- the term is for the, the Dow Jones, the guy that was in the stocks. Yeah, the hedgehog manager. Thank you. Um, but that, that, um, Chinese takeout box can be seen in Bugs Life, Monsters and Gratitude and Inside Out. Oh, the nice. same, the same design. The, there was a, I call this a stretch Easter egg, but it is definitely fun. There is a license plate at some point that says P742W. So we know our favorite address in the Pixar universe, P. Sherman 42 Wallaby Way, Sydney. If you say it really quick, of P742 Wallaby, like W, there it is real quick. Again, it's a stretch, but I definitely don't think it's a coincidence. No, that's, that seems legit. Um, we said 2319 already. And then I liked this one that came up in while I was watching the Super Carlin Brothers video is, uh, Curly, when introducing Joe to Dorothea, says, this is the cat I was telling you about. And while cat is a jazz reference, like that's a common term that you'd refer to a good player as, cat is also what Joe turns into in the movie. That is true. And I thought that was clever. And if it wasn't on purpose, I'd believe that it wasn't on purpose, that it was just like this cool cat, which is a jazz term or a typically common, commonly used phrase. But man, I loved it. I wanted to talk about things that were like connections to other things or things that you reminded, like reminded you of while you're watching this movie. So the first one I wanted to talk about is the scene in which Joe is avoiding all that danger and then finally like falls into that manhole cover with the, mm-hmm. with the jazz background music was very reminiscent of Rhapsody in Blue from Fantasia. And that was the first thing Mike had said. He was like, isn't this the plot of Rhapsody in Blue? Which it's not not the plot. The plot of Rhapsody in Blue is about a few different people finding a passion or a purpose through accidental circumstances. Specifically, there is a black musician who 
finds his purpose playing music. It's it's jazz and it's but it's and it's drumming, but it's just like that parallel. Like in a can like Rhapsody in Blue could have been coincidence of like typically jazz music is, is associated with with black culture, but it's like it sh- it was just like so funny to watch it and see like the parallels between Rhapsody in Blue and Soul. I thought. Hmm. And if you haven't seen Fantasia 2000, you're missing out. Go watch Fantasia and Fantasia 2000. Yeah, I still have to rewatch them. It's just been years since I have. I know I've watched them both in the past, but they're great. Um, I really liked the fact that in the Art of Soul book, which is a damn shame that I am broke because I wanted to read. I didn't know that the Art of Insert Movie Here books were a thing for Pixar and now I want all of them and they're Ooh. very expensive. Um, in the Art of Soul book, they it describes 22 as like all of her little badges mean that she's a moody, extroverted cynic who is extremely punctual. Huh. And I, if that doesn't describe me as a person. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> ben, you've worked with me, you know. Yep. <laughs> Uh, so maybe 22 is me, guys. Maybe you were 22 <laughs> the whole time. And you oh, no. Oh. <laughs> I don't know if I would necessarily describe myself as cynic, but I definitely lean towards it a little bit. I would um, describe myself as cynic. Yes, you are a cynic. <laughs> I'm like moody introverted cynic. <laughs> Fair. Um, not extremely punctual. That's was the extremely last word I not would punctual. Use. That is the last word I would just describe you as. <laughs> Um, I was late to this meeting, in fact. But I also wanted to, I I coined a new term today, which is the pre-Easter egg, which is the pre-Easter egg. Um, And the pre-Easter egg of soul, because if you don't know, um, I believe every Pixar movie post like Monsters, Inc. gave a little Easter egg for the next movie leading up to it. And so now that we know what's going on in Seoul, the Priester egg in Onward for Seoul was a record for the Dorothea Williams Quartet in the Lightfoot's bookcase. Hmm. So she's apparently an intergalactic star. Hmm. She's, if we follow the Pixar theory, she's in, <laughs> on multiple planets, very popular. So, yeah, either that or it was you. recovered from the Axie or from one of the ships from by and large. Oh, you're right. You're right. Oh, what a good, what a good point, Ben. I'm mm-hmm. gonna, make sure you comment that on the Super Carlin Brothers YouTube. Oh, absolutely. Give them that idea. <laughs> um, oh, the anticipated Priester egg, speaking of Priester eggs, for Luca is on the window of a travel agency that Joe walks by. It's a little ad for the city in which they've already set Luca in. Which oh, is very fun. nice. 22, while being the name of our lovely little protagonist um, or co-hero, I don't exactly know what her role mm-hmm. would be. Um, 22 is the amount of Pixar films before mm. Soul. This is the 23rd Pixar film. So okay. I don't know if 22 was picked because of that. I'd be willing so. to bet it was. Um, and then we talked about Pizza Rat already it's um and then there is like i said i think a113 is in it twice and there's the a13 in graffiti behind pizza rat is a pretty big stretch are you going to look now <laughs> um 
it's kind of messy, but if you look, it does feel like it's there because it's in a graffiti style. What? What was that face for? I mean, I, yeah, kind of. <laughs> Could be there. Um, I thought this one was a little silly, but I loved it. Okay, instead of there being a production baby section in the credits, there was uh, recent youth seminar graduates. Which oh, I think is really that's cute. awesome. Because they always um, give credit to babies that were born during the production of certain movies. And instead of production babies in the credits, it was recent mm. youth seminar graduates. That's excellent. Um, also, was anybody else like not hearing you versus youth correctly in the movie? Because it was you seminar of like, this is how you become you. But like my brain was like, these are little babies. They're youths. I was, yeah, I was actually hearing that a little bit. No, just me or Ben, I guess. Q to Q problems. Q to Q problems. Let's expand on the things we've already talked about in the Pixar theory because we've mentioned like things that could be connecting. Um, now, I don't know, Shay, how much you believe in the Pixar theory. I loosely believe that things can be connected. I know it's not true that they don't give a shit about connecting the movies together. Unless but, they do. Unless they do, which I it'd be a big old stretch <laughs> but i thought that this movie had more evidence than others of actually fitting into that but i also think that it's because it takes place in a real world with fun imaginative elements like the incredibles soul probably takes place in an alternative 2020 it is not the 2020 we live in though it's very reflective of it so like most movies in the pixar universe exist the year they were made um like ratatouille finding nemo i believe bug's life also takes place in the year or around the year that it was made toy story takes place in real time but toy story takes place in real time actively <laughs> like when you watch toy story to toy story 4 it's like here we are we're in 20 what was it 17 16 when the hell did toy story 4 come out i don't know recently doesn't matter toy story 4 but the the theory here in the pixar theory is that the axiom the axiom is in the hall of everything but the axiom would not have existed yet in this 2020 because the axiom is so far into the future so the idea is that the hall of everything is actually the blueprints for the future of like you yeah. find your spark here and yes the axiom exists in the hall of everything but it doesn't yet exist in the real world so some soul in the future finds their spark here in the hall of everything and shoots into this this idea of like these ideas come from the hall of everything and the thing that's fun about soul is that truly time doesn't exist <laughs> and i think that's fucking cool like there's a whole theory with the Pixar theory that time is truly irre irrelevant. So like 22, yes, Joe is mentoring her, them, whatever. But when she falls to earth, that doesn't mean she's falling to 2020. She could be falling in the future. She could be falling in the past. But it's basically, it toys the Pixar theory here toys with the idea that time in the before and like 
the beyond are non-existent. And they also talk about the parallels between Coco and Soul because there aren't any, but there are. Yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> the idea here is that the before and the, or I guess the beyond manifests in a way that you were raised. So for those who are, for example, we'll use Coco. If you were raised in a, in Mexico, for example, of, of that descent, you see the beyond, you've given that the, a purpose to the beyond of there is a life after death. And you see that there's a path that you walk between living and dead, which is synonymous to that conveyor belt. Mm-hmm. In Seoul, you can't go back, or can you? Because when Joe falls into the before, he sees portals into the real world, to the living. It's just a different idea of how we're looking at the living. He can't interact with them, really. Because, And then that brings the question of, like, when he's in his body like that was a thing that like i couldn't wrap my head around of like okay so when joe gets or when 22 gets back into joe's body is this happening or is this not happening like it just like confused me because it was pretty clear that it was like yeah this is happening in real time he's talking to his mother 22 is talking for him in this body this soul is there but it's like what part of your body is your soul this has nothing to do with the Pixar theory. This is just my existential crisis now. <laughs> I don't know. What do you guys think? <laughs> I mean, the, the soul is thought to be a concept, right? I mean, I, I think your soul has always been thought of as your consciousness. So technically, if you're thinking anatomically, it would be your brain but I've always thought of the brain and the mind as different things, right? So your mind is your consciousness, which is housed in your brain, but it's not, you, you can't pin it to anything, really. And I think that's what the soul is. Yeah. We're getting deep here on QQ. <laughs> this fucking movie's fault. Um, <laughs> now, this connection to the Pixar theory of the window to reality is a huge factor in when we think about um, Monsters, Inc. and the way that they claim the Pixar theory functions of how Monsters, Inc. has these these time traveling doors in which you can go through one and land in different time periods and land in different worlds. Because the movie, as as it stands on its own, le- makes you leads you to believe that it, it's two thousand, and when you walk through the door, you're walking through to to two thousand to the like that's just the other side. That's the human world. But when you connect all the dots in the Pixar theory to make the Pixar theory work, that's the the, the posted theorem is that monsters are time traveling, which then brings you to the whole idea of and the, the like root of the Pixar theory, which is about the relationship between Boo and Sully. And when you listen to people who poster, we did a whole episode on basically summarizing Super Carlin's brother's summary of Don Negroni's summarizing, summarizing. Um, 
<laughs> but the connection is that Boo is, is, is trying to keep Sully's memory alive because that's the idea of the Pixar theory is that uh, it tells the story of the rise and fall of humans, animals, and machines through the idea that memories are energy and memories are what keeps things alive. So soul brings this idea that people or souls can possibly live more than once that you can it's a loose reincarnation of like mentors for example mentors get to go back to the great before and raise this soul but we never talk about where mentors go after they're done mentoring do they go to the great beyond because i mean they do but why was joe given that second chance and it has this happened before probably happened before because she um because jerry did say that they're not often inspired yep um so i mean it it, it sounded it was very easy for joe to have free reign of the afterlife and the before life so i have to have a, i have to believe that this sort of thing happens not all the time but often enough the count hasn't been off in centuries. That was also a question that right. everybody who studies the Pixar theory was going through. They were like, when was the last time? And their theory <laughs> was that it was Boo in this connection of the right. Pixar theory. And but then I was sense. thinking about, so Boo, unlike Joe and 22, so Joe falls into this cat, which presumably means that Joe's body is open for 22 to occupy because this cat doesn't have a soul supposedly but then the cat goes back to being a cat but whatever because didn't you see the cat's soul on the conveyor belt you know the great beyond and i was like oh no the poor cat but that's my thing is so like i'm like did joe just murk that cat by falling (laughs) into this cat so then i thought about like if boo is truly the witch that goes back in time from Monsters, Inc., whatever you believe in with the Pixar theory, because, again, we certain films, are, I'm like, you're postulating something that doesn't have any evidence, but this actually, I think, has most, one of the most evidence, some of the most evidence compared to other movies, but if Boo is truly that, the, the child that grows up and then goes back in time to be the witch, it's like, did she just fucking kill some old lady in the woods? Because she died and did the same shit? I don't know. It's silly. Well, I mean, it's not necessarily saying that every time you go through a door, you kill somebody and take their body. Murder. I mean, like, I mean, in Monsters, Inc., they're able to go through doors and they remain in their own body. Yes, but according to the theory, they're, evo- like, they're evolutionary beings. I believe they're animals that formed human thoughts. I don't fucking know. The Pixar theory is hard to follow. <laughs> Maybe the cat, which is now soulless, is the first step towards monsters. There you go. Lost soul falls through the door, maybe. Those things were pretty monstrous. Those were terrifying. Actually, I thought about that, of how reminiscent to certain monsters those the lost souls looked. Right. Um, talked about that, talked about that. Um, there is also not necessarily part of the Pixar theory, but a loose connection of the phrase, I'm a manipulative megalomaniac who is intensely opportunistic is syndrome. Oh. (laughs) And or the 
Evelyn Devers in Incredibles 2, either of those villains work, which I think is out of all of Pixar villains, those are true. Although Charles Munz could kind of fit that bill too, but not, not as much as Syndrome. I definitely think Syndrome is the definition of those words. Yeah. Charles Munz is a lost soul. That guy had an obsession. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Poor. That's what made him live so long because he was just lost. Because, man, yeah. have you ever tried to think about the timeline of Charles Muntz? It doesn't make sense. That man is old as fuck. No, it doesn't. Man would be in his hundreds. But maybe, you know, maybe somewhere in, in the South American jungle, he found the fountain of youth that is the, uh, the geography and where it's supposed to That's be true. located. That's what do you mean? How, how old was Carl? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think he was in his 60s. His 60s? Yes. I'd say 70s. I was going to say, I think he's in 70s. And and did we ever get see how old Charles Muntz was? Because I would say that he was probably in his 20s when either he was in his 20s or his 30s when Carl was watching the video. And Carl was like 10 years old already. So if he was in his 30s, then that could still make Charles Muntz like 90. Uh, Charles right. Muntz is 23 when Carl is 9. So oh. Carl is 78 and Muntz is 92. Excellent. Well, we solved that wow. theory. <laughs> <laughs> Another case cracked. <laughs> well, that question was answered. I actually had wondered that before. And I was like, he's got to be old <laughs> as dirt. Ninety-two is still really old to be living on your own with a bunch of dogs. <laughs> yeah, and he's like in pretty good shape. I'm pretty sure he was running. <laughs> yeah, man. At one point. Um. Does Does anybody have anything else to add before we close out with what I'd call? Oh, wait! I have a question. If twenty-two hasn't formed her life pass and her Earth pass or whatever it's called. Why does she have so many things in just a box? Well, I think I'm, I'm going to guess she, she's obviously a person who collects trophies. Probably the first thing she started collecting were the name tags. And then she probably thought it was funny <laughs> that people kept trying things. So she just started taking things from the hall of everything and putting them into just a box. Mm-hmm. So you don't think it has anything to do with things she likes? Well, it's not even things she likes. And I was thinking about that as the spark. Because, I mean, it's hard concept because they kind of talk about it in and out without ever really fully explaining what it is. It The spark to me almost seems like what makes life like what's the first thing you see that you're like this is what makes life worth living and she didn't really see that out of collecting trophies you know it's like nothing that's not like an experience for her which is like i want to go do this on earth but like she gets i think she gets it when she's sitting outside the club and she's seeing the people walk by and she catches the um you know the falling leaf and she's like oh that's what makes life worth living and you you see that snap and that change and that's the moment she gets it right so 
I don't think there's anything necessarily about trophy collecting, which she sees as like specific to like, that's a life thing, you know? She's a serial killer. Yeah, serial killer. <laughs> uh, Saturday, that was in poor taste. Um, no, okay. I don't know. And I think the last, the, the summary of, of, of soul in like one phrase would be like the willingness to give life a try. And I think Ben, that speaks to what you said of like, mm-hmm. what is the thing that if, if the great before it truly exists, what is that thing that makes you willing to give life a try? Mm-hmm. And that thing that keeps you going. Cause like, I'm sure you've all been in a situation where you just truly are appreciating that moment and that like for example i remember being on the cliffs of more and like staring out into the the horizon and just being like holy shit like this is absolutely beautiful and this is a place that we as humanity has said this is too beautiful to screw up so it's still here. You know what I mean? Mm. Or like moments where like music a lot happens to me of like when I'm involved in a musical process. I remember when we were in Ragtime, Ben, one of the first times I heard you guys leading up to Tech Week sing Till We Reach That Day from Ragtime, you all cut off at the exact same moment Mm -hmm. there was a deafening silence in the most powerful song in that show and i literally gasped and started crying because it was just that those moments of like overwhelmed emotion and i i feel like that is what this movie's reaching towards of those moments where it's like what is what's worth it for life and finding what drives you but isn't your purpose it's your spark what's the inspiring part of life not the reason for it but inspires you yeah it's it's deep shit's deep man it's deep take it deep (laughs) with that i suppose we can close this one out unless you guys have anything else I think that's a wrap on Soul. Yeah, what were your guys' thoughts on Soul? Leave it in the comments. Um, yeah. Also, like and share this podcast. Follow us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And if you are following us on Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating or review because that helps the podcast a lot. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you like what we got here, head over to YouTube where we have some vlogs, some extra shows coming up um we have a few vlogs featuring shay um and then we got a couple different shows coming down down the line soon i hope actually in the next two weeks we should get some stuff out there as well Mm -hmm. as follow us on patreon or subscribe subscribe on patreon yeah Yeah, subscribe to our patreon um where we will have some bonus content from this episode and then i'll be back ordering all of our outtakes pretty soon for 
for new bonus content over on the Patreon. So, um, <laughs> and eventually we'll have more Patreon exclusive videos. <laughs> listen, man, COVID's hard. We're getting it sure there. sure is. We, We're we doing promise. our best. Um, so with that, uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Thanks, Shay, for coming yeah, back you, this week. I don't know why you're just not a permanent part of this podcast at this point. (laughs) Scheduling, that's why. Uh, We'll have you whenever you want. But uh, with that, thanks for joining us today on this, what I call the the soul examination. And uh, we'll see Uh, you guys uh, next week. Bye. See you next week.